welcome back to the House of Hoosier podcast. This is AJ Guyton, and let's talk some Hoosier hoops. Yeah, AJ, uh, uh, quite a week for Indiana basketball. A win over the number four ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. We can start there. What did you see in that game that maybe we hadn't seen all year from this Indiana team? Um, I saw a team that was obviously kind of was prepared to play against Iowa. Uh, what 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 happened? What I thought, what I think that happens with this particular Indiana team is that there are certain teams that they'll play very very well against, and uh, the less athletic and the the more methodical teams uh, that maybe feature a big man, they'll have a lot of success against those teams that play that way. The Wisconsin's and the Iowas of the world. If they played a game against Virginia, I think that'd be a heck of a game. It's because of the style of play matches their style of play on the other end. Uh, the slow down, make multiple passes, and then take a shot late into the shot clock, which normally happens. So when they were playing against Iowa, I was like, they got a chance because uh, the foul trouble enabled them. What I had been preaching uh, going into it was that we needed to start playing smaller. I really believe that they needed to, and people, it's not a popular opinion that they needed to, you know, uh, Put race uh, as a as a put him on a bench, so to speak, and start Jerome and space out the floor a lot more to get a lot more open looks. Get Jerome Hunter going a little bit more because he's one of the kids who will shoot regardless if he makes it or not. Um, so uh, I felt like that happened when and, and Jordan uh, Geronimo had to got had to come in and draw. Is it Jordan? Jer- Jordan, yep. Geronimo, yep. Jordan yep. Geronimo came into the game and it caused Iowa some problems and quickness at those key positions. And they struggled. And uh, luckily, uh, Geronimo was able to compete defensively. And we were able to make some shots and make some plays. And that's how you have to play in the Big Ten on the road. And that particular matchup is, is a favorable matchup to an Indiana basketball team. You inspired me. I listened to that. I think it was after Purdue when you were talking to yeah. Rafael and, and talking about um, – not that race is doing anything wrong, no, but that no. it just helps space the floor. And, and I, I wrote a column about that this week because I completely agree with you. We'll, we'll see if that ever comes to fruition. Then, of course, on Sunday, mm-hmm. they give it right back. They lose to Rutgers. In your career, when you beat somebody like an Iowa, an equivalent, maybe when you beat Michigan State or something like that, how hard is it to just a couple days later go out and play again? Do you still feel that high? What do you have to do to kind of keep the momentum going? Uh, well, I tweeted that out and I said, uh, you know, it, it, it's always hard to, to, to play the next game against a team that everybody expects you to be after you just upset a really, really good team. And it's because the other team begins to prepare for you as if you're at that top level team because you just be another team. And that's a coach's uh, responsibility and job as to prepare the Rutgers for the game is to say, look, they just dismantled Iowa. Iowa's one of the top five teams in the country. Y'all better play, you know, come with it. And when Rutgers was riding a four or five game losing streak as well. So with that, I knew it was a perfect storm of all the things wrong for IU. I, I, I could tell that, you know, it's already tough when, when we play against teams that have guards that can create for themselves. And I think those are the teams that a pack line defense struggles against. And Rutgers, fortunately for them, they played extremely well from the guard position. Geo Baker played well. Ryan Harper didn't play well, but he played well enough. Okay, he started off the game hitting a three, and it was like, uh-oh. But the key to that team was the battle underneath, and I think their big guy really, really had a stellar performance, and he neutralized our big guy. 
And uh, that was in the, in the end, that was the telling part of the game. Once again, you know, I'm used to seeing all IU teams get out and transition, get easy baskets off of their defense. And it's just something that we struggle to do that is it's going to continue to haunt us. We have to get easy baskets somehow, some way, pushing it in transition, uh, you know, our wings running, uh, you know, getting stops defensively, uh, turn points off turnovers. I wish I could see that stat, you know, to really solidify my position in, in stating that, that, you know, whenever you play this game, it's got to be fun. It's can't, it can't be a super grind every game you play. But some of those grinders, you're just going to come up on the short end. So uh, I'm not surprised that that's the, the performance that we had after a game like that. I wasn't surprised at all to see that. What's the key to consistency in your mind, especially for a team that has it's been such a roller coaster this year of ups and downs. They look good one day, then they go right back to the norm. What what's the key to consistency? The key to, to me, the key to consistency is finding the the the, uh, the lineups that gel and that, you know, you're going to get something out of them every time you put that lineup on the floor. You know, I don't question coaches motive. I don't know what happened, but Geronimo didn't get much playing time this game. So it's very hard to create a consistent way to play when, you know, last game, this guy helped turn the game around. It was one of the catalysts. But the next game, he's not playing. So in his mind, he's going to sit there. Unless he was injured and it was something that was known before, he, he's sitting there like, why am I not playing? So now the focus changes when this kid comes into the game. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, the, the, the lefty point guard, uh, what's his uh, – from Evansville, he shoot makes two threes. Lander, yeah. Lander, Christian Lander. I can never remember his name. Christian Lander hits two threes, and where's the third one? If I hit two threes, there's another one coming up, and then there's one more. <laughs> just because I'm, I'm Jerome I'm did the same thing too early yeah. in the game, and I, I thought of you immediately when I saw it. I'm like, AJ says, when you're hot, you just got to keep shooting. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta ride that boat. I'm, there's another play, and then shortly after, he's out the game, and I don't see him anymore. So. I'm like, okay, uh, but that's consistency. No one, it doesn't seem as if uh, they know when they're going to, their number's going to be called. The only player that has really consistency is Trace. Trace knows that I'm going to play 34, 35 minutes a night, barring foul trouble. Nothing's going to change. I'm going to go and get my offensive rebound. That's consistency. But what are we going to get from Al on a daily basis? Is fantasy going to be the two point fantasy? Is he going to be the 16 point fantasy? Like, you have to, be put in those positions and consistently producing those positions to, to get uh, consistent minutes. So I don't know what's going on with that, but I can understand why uh, there's a fluctuation in, in, pro, in, in the game every time this team plays. Last one, and you were the guy on a lot of your teams in, in Bloomington, and you had some really good supporting players, some really good role players, but you were the guy. When you look at Trace – does that give him too much extra pressure on a night like or an afternoon like Sunday where he's not performing? Does it feel like he's trying to force it? What's it like to be that guy when you're not playing your best? When you're not playing, you immediately have to turn your attention to figure out who's playing well around you, make sure that they continue to flourish, and that you uh, try to get yourself going by doing the other things on the court. And that's, you know, defending, that's rebounding, that's energy, that's being vocal. You want to stay engaged into the game because at some point, 
your consistency and your skill is going to begin to be a, a deciding factor in that game at some point. You just don't know when. Uh, you know, sometimes it's start to finish. So I know, I know as a player for me, sometimes it took me a while. Uh, uh, it took me a TV timeout to get going. After the TV timeout, I scored 15 points in a row. And it's like, oh, man. We're, but it was a feel of the game and me feeling the game out to see how I could, you know, have an impact on it. And they did it. Sometimes the other team does a good job. Like I, Rutgers has a big guy. What's the big kid name? Miles Rutgers? Johnson. Miles Johnson is a hell of a player. But he's, he can neutralize a guy like Trace with his length, with his intelligence. He's not a, a dumb basketball player. He knows exactly what he's doing on the floor. His offensive rebounds, his efficiency protected the basket. For, our guards couldn't get in there and get finishes. So he neutralized Trace. But there's ways that – you know, Trace could have easily thought to get him in foul trouble and neutralize him and get him out of the game, but he was never in foul trouble. So he was able to, while Johnson was able to stay and have an impact. So as a leader and as a guy that's, that's going to be looked at as that guy, you got to immediately switch your focus to the other things and other ways. Uh, like when Lander hit those shots, I'm going to the coach like, hey, Lander's, Lander needs one more. He hit that one, we give him one more. He missed that one, we give him one more. Now we might be done with him. All right, he get, we got what we can get. All right, who's next? Because I need you guys to hit these shots to soften up this defense. So uh, he got, he has to grow up really fast and start thinking like that in order to for his consistency because he's bringing attention to himself by averaging 20 and 9. So, you know, he's going to be number one on the scouting report. So they're going to take him away. How can you help the other players around you get better? Absolutely. We're hoping that the supporting cast of the 2021 Hoosiers can play a little bit like your guest on today's <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, one of your favorite supporting cast members. Uh, and I guess for a supporting cast, he turned out pretty good. First round draft pick, Kirk Hayes. Right. Just an awesome podcast coming up, AJ. I, I enjoyed listening to you guys talk. Like you said, you lose track of time because the stories are just so awesome. Stories are so awesome, man. And I, I feel like a lot of our our, our former alum have a lot to say. Mm -hmm. I feel like they, they bottle up a lot of, don't have that platform to really talk about some of the things we want, they want to talk about. Even with him, we missed out on about three subjects that we probably should have covered. And we just kept it all Indiana basketball. But I feel like it's an outlet for those guys. And you look up and it's 60 minutes gone like that. And you're like, man, I'm not even a quarter of the way through what I was you know, going to ask this guy. So, but Kirk is always fun. He always the same vibrant attitude, man. All, and he was, I said in the podcast, he was tough, Coach Knight was tough on him, but he was one of the guys who really, really, you know, listened to how what Coach Knight said and not how he said it and really gritted his teeth and really continued to get better and turned into a third-team All-American in the first-round draft pick. So, you know, this is another great story of the development of a player in a Coach Knight system. Well, you want to talk about a guy who – can tell you how to play under night. He wrote a book about it. So uh, <laughs> right. this, this guy's got some great stories. Uh, let's go ahead and send it off to that podcast with AJ Guyton and Kirk Haston. Welcome everybody to the house of Hoosier podcast. I'm your host, AJ Guyton, formal. Um, and I'm here with a very, very special guest. You know, normally I haven't gotten to, to really interview many guys that I've actually played with. Uh, I've kind of started going way back or way forward, but one of my favorite teammates, man, one of the best players I ever put on Crimson and Cream. I got Kirk Kaysen with you with me. How you doing, Kirk? I'm doing great, AJ. Good to be on with you, man. Man, it's good to see you, man. Looking healthy, man. You still getting out there a little bit. What are we, what are we doing to stay fit? 
I I got a uh, very low impact Nordic track. Really, uh, <laughs> keep the so uh, so it's a lot easier on the knees. Uh, right. I, I right. do I do quite a bit more golfing than I than I do basketball playing. But if every right. now and then I'll, I'll if it's a half court game they. They know not to even text me if it's a full court game. <laughs> right. For, but, but if but if for some reason there's other people playing on the other end, they're like, oh, it's half court today. I'm like, I can give you yeah, that. I can, I can know, get down with that. <laughs> How the knees holding up, man? How the knees holding up? Not bad. Not bad. You know, mm-hmm. it's just um, – uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, you don't really think about it when you're going through it, but, I mean, it, it's – when you're really when you're really playing and, mm-hmm. and you look back at how many hours and, and t- I mean, how much, like, jam fingers and all all that all that kind of gets added up and at the end it catches up with you a little bit uh yep. but uh mm-hmm. but I I I've, I've been pretty fortunate I've I've dodged uh, a lot of the major stuff I've had uh, had a couple of knee scopes but not anything too major I tell everybody man I think most IU players that who play for coach Knight would have knee issues because we were forced and pre-practiced to set up about Probably roughly around 150 to 200 cuts, uh, you know, planting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. everybody's <laughs> planting, plant every day for four years, man, it's, and in, in the offseason as well. Exactly. That, and factor that in with Tim Garl taking us to the football stadium, running on the right. concrete <laughs> steps. That'll do it, too. That'll be, hey, they get in trouble for that nowadays. But, uh, man, you had a phenomenal career, man. You had a career – that was uh, basically hinged on really player development. You really took was patient with it. You took your time, worked a lot. You know, you, you were coached hard and you got a great story to tell, man. But first, you know, I want to talk about, you know, life in, in Tennessee, Lowellville, Tennessee. What was what was growing up in Lowellville like uh, at the time that you grew up that, at, at your earliest recollection? Well, there's you've got a couple of options in uh, in, in Perry County. Uh, or Lobelville. I mean, it's uh, it's it's play sports or hunt, and right. uh, and so there's outside of that, there's not a whole lot of options. But we we've got a actually one of the reasons that I, I, I it was such a neat fit for me to go to Indiana was because uh, Perry County is 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 they've kind of got their own uh, Hoosier story, their own Milan story. Uh, you know, going all the way back to the 1950s when it was one classification, we had one of the smallest schools in the state, and they won the state championship. So ever since mm-hmm. then, it's just been basketball country. So, um, you know, growing up here, I mean, it's no, uh, you know, you got to drive an hour to go to a movie. You, you know, there's no, there was no McDonald's, there's no stoplight, there's no four way. So it was, um, I mean, it's small town. I mean, I, when I was growing up, it was probably about uh, three or four thousand people in my hometown. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, so it was, uh, it was an event, uh, to, uh, to go to the big city of Nashville mm-hmm. or something, but, uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> right. uh, it, that, that's why it was a good, that's why it was just, uh, I thought it was a good fit going to Bloomington. It felt, uh, felt pretty small. A bigger version. And, and how, what did, how did you get introduced to the game? Like, you know, you say you either hunt it or you play sports. How did, <laughs> did you play any other sports or how did you get introduced to the game of basketball? Yeah, I mean, baseball was my, you know, was definitely my first passion. Uh, my granddad uh, was, uh, you know, he was a coach at uh, Freed Hardeman University, oh. played co- played college basketball at, at David Lipscomb. Uh, so I, I had my own personal baseball slash basketball coach with my granddad. So he's he's really the one uh, that, that got me into it. Uh, Hoyt Kirk, uh, you probably remember seeing him coming around the game some. He's still yeah. preaching 
He's still <laughs> preaching two sermons a week at 92 years old, uh, full-time right. preaching still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but he, he's the one that really got me introduced. And, and I realized when uh, my 72-mile-an-hour fastball was getting knocked around pretty good my freshman year of high school that it was going to be be time to probably shift uh full-time to basketball so <laughs> after my freshman year of baseball i, I, I just solely focused uh, on my, my ba- on basketball basketball i mean so we did that did a growth spurt have anything to do with that did you when did you start hitting that growth spurt i was always pretty tall but the problem was i was always pretty round yeah. um when i was when i was in when i was in like sixth or seventh grade i hit that bad awkward stage <laughs> right. i remember i remember seventh grade we got these uh new uh, it was always a big deal we, we we finally got some new basketball jerseys the lovable mm-hmm. hornets and uh and so they handed out our jerseys and uh and, and i was really excited and so i went out they handed us our jerseys i went into the locker room to change and i didn't know it then back in seventh grade that i I invented the Under Armour form-fitting shirt. I didn't realize it at the time. I could have been a billionaire. <laughs> right. I, I put that thing on, and it was leaving nothing to the imagination. I mean, it was a lot of hills and valleys and um, mm-hmm. wasn't pretty. And uh, and so my mom realized that I was pretty upset about it, and, uh, and so she kind of got to the bottom of it, and she took that jersey to a seamstress in town. This is embarrassing. And she had the <laughs> seamstress pop the seams on both sides and add about this much maroon fabric on both sides so i could breathe during the season but that that's a good that's a good mom though because she knew she knew i was not going to feel comfortable jiggling up and down the court i needed some space so uh so i that was kind of a wake-up call i started getting in a lot better shape uh going into my eighth grade year but that seventh grade year i was as round as i was tall what were you looking at as far as size and weight? What were you about? <laughs> oh, good question. Good question. My, I've got two boys right now. And uh, and so I, I had my old growth chart that my mom had of me. And so I, I plotted out their points in different colors along with mine. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm, I'm like an inch and a half or two inches ahead of wherever they're at each mm-hmm. year. Right. But this past year, I showed my wife this. She got a kick out of it. Uh, my youngest son, Cooper, uh, he was he was about – an inch and a half shorter than me at the same age, you mm-hmm. know, at, uh, at, at 10 years old. And uh, Cooper weighs about uh, 85 pounds. And I said, Casey, you want to guess what I weighed? I, I said, I had an inch, I had an inch and a half on him, but you want to mm-hmm. guess what I weighed? And she said, a hundred. I said, 135. Dang. <laughs> so, so I was, I was large and in charge. Uh, right. but, um, but yeah, I was, about about seventh grade, I was around uh, six two. Okay. Uh, and then eighth grade, six four, and then and and then it was just steadily kind of a couple inches until I topped out at six nine. But uh, right. of course, high school coaches put like six eleven. You know, yeah, yeah, like absolutely. All, all high school coaches lie, but yeah. What what what, what where you get this height from? Where did this come from? Uh, well, my mom was only five five, uh, right. but my dad my dad was six four, and and okay. and so the Haston the Haston side of the family has quite a bit of size. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's some I've got a cousin at six six and everything. So, uh, but uh, but I was I had my mom was my my fifth grade teacher, and I was taller than her when I was in fifth grade, calling her Miss Patty. You know, so um, <laughs> I caught her I caught her pretty fast. Right. Where 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 your relationship with like with your mom? I know she uh, she passed during the time we were playing, but what was your earliest recollections of her and her influence on you athletically? Well, I I think the best thing I learned from her and and from Granddad too 
was, and I don't, I'm trying to do a better job of this as a parent. They're, they were much better at this than I am. Uh-huh. Is is leaving leaving the game at the game once you're on the way home, and right. uh, and I always I always always appreciated that, and uh, and so whether it was a whether it was a bad game or good game, I knew that it was going to be the same ride home no matter what. Right. Um. And uh, you know, I, I think the other thing was is that she you know she was a single parent uh, uh-huh. that was a school teacher, so we didn't have you know, we, we were struggling. Uh, and so she never made me, even though she needed it, she understood that, you know, when I got to seventh, eighth freshman year of high school, um, she told me, she was like, listen, if you will, she thought I had a decent chance of getting a scholarship, maybe somewhere. She was uh-huh. hoping Freed Hardeman NAI and, and, uh, but she just, you know, she said, if you will treat this as your summer job, you don't have to go Paul, hey, you don't have to go get a, you know, but you've got to, you got to take it seriously. And so I really, I really think that helped kind of uh, with, with the work ethic approach of like, you know, it, you know, at about eighth grade year freshman, that became my job basically is just right. to try to, to get better. And so she let, and she let me do that. She could have gone the other way and said, stop wasting your time with that. We need the money. But she was playing the long game. And, uh, and, and that was, I've always been appreciative to that. Absolutely. How did they? How did you manage to escape becoming an offensive lineman? I know you live in a Tennessee country. <laughs> I know you SEC. They'll turn you into a, a an offensive lineman in a heartbeat. Man, how did you escape well, that part? <laughs> well, fortunately, in a way, since we were in the heart of basketball country, we were such a small school. We didn't have football until actually the year after I graduated high school. Oh, so, okay. Football really wasn't even on the radar. I mean, even though it was huge on every county around us, it was Mm -hmm. more of the focus than anything else. But our county, uh, we were we we were slow to get to football because of our size. We had it we had it in the late '60s and early '70s, but it went away until '98. Um, So uh, uh, so that that was one reason. The other reason was is as you can probably attest when we were doing our strength training, I did like a half of a pull-up my first testing down in the <laughs> right. basement with Paul. Right. So that's the other reason is that I wasn't very strong. Right. <laughs> One of the uh-huh. reasons I probably got redshirted. And, and I'll tell you, maybe the most embarrassing thing – one of the things that almost probably sent me home uh, quicker than anything was we had to come in. They didn't have this fancy body fat testing that they have now where mm-hmm. you, can just st- you can just stand <laughs> – it was – it was the calipers. Right. I, I lost a lot of sleep at night thinking about getting those calipers on me. And so, right. you know, we'd have to go to the basement at like 545 in the morning yeah. at the start of, you know, preseason. And they would do all the, the testing and everything. And so I went in there and I was like, we'll get this done quick. It's 545 in the morning. There ain't nobody in here. And they're like, you know, they, they bring they bring me over and they're like, uh, you know, just everybody can see everything. You know, they're like, all right, take your shirt off. Like, great. Uh, and they're measuring all, they're pinching all the fat. About the time that this is going on, I kid you not, not making this up, the female track and field team comes in. Oh. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Is this some sort of hazing? I mean, what are y'all right. trying to do to me? I'm never going to survive this. So, so I, that was, I, I left that day and I'm like, I'm going, I'm going to Tennessee. I can't handle this. Yeah. This is, forget, forget mind games from Coach Knight. This is the, this is the ultimate, you know, mind game. I got to get out of here. Do you know what you started with versus what you finished oh, with that IU? Percentage yeah, it was it. I, I was I was in the high. I think I was in the high twenties. I mean, mm-hmm. It was like it was it was weird. Like I I was. 
like that. I was so heavy when I was in like seventh and eighth grade. It's kind of like as you get in shape, it's kind of hard if you're not doing a lot of muscle training, which I really wasn't in high school. We didn't have a weight room. Right. You yeah. know, you lose you, you, you the, the weight, the weight kind of goes off, but there's no tone. It just kind of just like, and so mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, it, it, I think I got down to, by the time my junior year, it was, it was around 10%. You know, I never, okay. I never was a fitness That's freak. I just don't have, I just don't have that DNA in me. Yeah. Uh, I have to stay on top of it. I still try to not eat too many chips and fries or I'll, I'll blow up like a balloon, but, right. uh, uh, but yeah, that, that it was, it was probably, uh, it was probably about an 18% drop in a couple of years. Wow, that's pretty good, man. You worked it off. You had no choice. You played basketball year round back then. Yeah. You was gonna be you was gonna be in shape. There's only so much but there's only so much buffaloes you can eat in a day. You know? <laughs> oh, and, and, and I we talked about this time, Coverdale and I our training table was atrocious if you think about it. Terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. McCree's, McCree's steak and shake. <laughs> what was the buffet oh, we yeah. had to go to? What was the buffet right there on uh next to the hamp? Uh, next to the Hampton Inn, it was a buffet, and we had yeah, that was an option. Marsh, Marsh. I loved it because you could get actually the salad bar at Marsh. Yeah, I did exactly. like Marsh every now and then. Uh, there was, uh, I mean, the best one was when we every now and then we'd get little Zagrebs. You know, yeah, we did we a, did a, a, that was that was you could do some good damage there. But <laughs> uh, yeah, for the most part, well, you think about this: when we would go on the road, it was get there, we'd get to a hotel. And the coaches would go eat, and they would set us up a night. They would just say, basically, go to the the hotel restaurant, which was usually kind of you know like a kind of sports. You know, it was just sports yeah. food, sports yeah. bar kind of mm-hmm. food. And we would all get wing. I mean, just whatever you wings, burgers, fries. Then we would all get desserts. Yeah. And then we would go up and watch about 25, 30 minutes of video with coach. And then we'd get to the to our rooms, and in the hallways of the rooms, you know what was there. Right. Big old trays of desserts again. <laughs> Coach yeah. not would order it. So it, we would it, have, be- right before bed, we would have chocolate cake, ice cream, right, like two yeah. hours after Easy. we just ate everything. It was crazy. <laughs> no, would, no, it wouldn't do that in a million years today. Unbelievable how you could go out there and perform with what we ate. And I was <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm appalled. But uh, you went, uh, you had a pretty good high school career, but you were still under recruited, man. So like and I, and I read a little bit in your book about Vanderbilt, Tennessee, where we kind of your home for once, stay close to home. Uh, talk about how IU came into the pic- picture. And recollect. Yeah, it was it was pretty strange. I had uh, I had I wanted to commit to Vanderbilt, uh, and I wanted to get it out of the way before I wanted to do it before the early signing period. I didn't want to fool with it during my senior year, and uh, and Vanderbilt actually. About four or five months before the signing period, Van Bredikoff was there. He uh, he rescinded the offer, mm-hmm. uh, and and I talked to their uh, their lead assistant coach later on, and he told me that they had had a big uh, falling out because he was just like you know uh, you know he because he'd recruited me, yep. and Van Bredikoff has just decided I couldn't play in the SEC, <laughs> right. and, and maybe he was right, yeah. and uh, and so they they rescinded the offer, and uh, and so the, and I, I went to tennis, I contacted Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And um and I had been interested in going there and so wait, uh, Kevin O'Neill. You, con- you contacted Tennessee? No, no. Well, they they had offered. Oh, okay. They, they had saying. offered. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. They had <laughs> offered, but I, I I reached out to Tennessee uh and uh about a month before the signing period and uh Kevin O'Neill was there and and they had had just he said we had 
we had just a rush of early commitments and, and mm-hmm. it was like, I think Hathaway and Tony Harris and some of those. And he said, actually right now we are, you know, we've already filled up our spots and, and, and we just don't have a spot available. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was like, well, I guess I'll, I'll just play out the senior season and see what happens. Uh, since those, those were kind of my two spots that I was looking to land. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so Kevin O'Neill, uh, I found all this out later. Kevin O'Neill calls Coach Knight, says, "Hey, we had this kid that we liked, uh, that uh, but we don't we don't have the space for him." He says, "I know y'all don't come down, you know, to the to the South much, but he said I think that this kid would fit really good into you know the way y'all play in the Indiana system." And and so um, Coach Knight sent uh, Ron Felling down to a practice, and then about a month later, Coach Knight came down to the smallest gym that we play on in the district, Clifton, Tennessee. Mm. And uh, he came to a game, and I knew he was supposed to be coming. Uh, and uh, in the girls' game, I never saw him. And, and while we're warming up, uh, there's just this buzz in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are, and, I, and people started leaving and going outside, and I didn't know why until later I found out that they were going out to use the pay phone because cell phones were just basically bag phones in. They were calling people in town to come to the to the gym because this was the biggest thing that ever happened in yeah, right. Tennessee. <laughs> and so um, – I'm trying, I'm warming up and, and we all got this one guy on, on every team you've ever played on this one guy, Blake Warren on our team kept running through and, be, and he kept going as he'd go past me. I've got my game face on. He's like, right. Ooh, coach Knott's here. Don't screw this up. Haston. Don't screw this up. Haston. And, uh, but anyhow, the game, the game went good. Uh, I never even saw coach Knott that night. I never even saw him in the stands. Wow. Um, he left at halftime. Oh, and, and, and so, Next day at school, I get to school and I asked my high school coach, Bruce Latin, I was like, well, have you heard anything? He said, I hadn't heard anything. I'm like, great. That's weird. So I'm, <laughs> right. in, I'm, in, I'm in English class and get called to the principal's office for a phone call. And so I go in there and I just pick up the phone. And, and, and you probably know this, coach not, not, never went much for pleasantries on the phone. It's like uh-huh. pick up the phone. It's like mid-conversation. And he's like, uh, Kirk, I was at the game last night. I'd like to have you come to Indiana if you'd want to come to play for me. And I said, uh, if you think that I can play for you, then that's what I want to do. He said, we'll send the paperwork. Said, okay. Boom. Never, never took a visit. Never, really? never sat down with him. Never met him. Wow. And it just felt, it just felt like that was the, the right thing to do. And so that's, it was, that was, um, that, that's how the recruiting, the, the, it was like a three minute talk. <laughs> <laughs> so you never came down for a visit. You've never toured the campus. You you had already signed when you came down, or or committed verbally before you came down. Already committed before I'd already committed before I came down, and uh, that was probably the wise thing that they already had me basically locked in because they stuck me with Mike Lewis and Jason Collier when I came up for my visit, and (laughs) and that was that was it was lucky I survived that. But uh, they they actually said I was the easiest recruit that they ever had because they said that I just wanted. Buffalo is brought to me at the, the apartment. I didn't want to go anywhere. So I was I nowhere. Uh, yeah. You didn't want to be so, in. Hey, I'm glad <laughs> with that group touring you, I'm glad you decided to, to, to keep your commitment, man. Um, that's a heck of a story. I, we taught every player who's been on this podcast has talked about, you know, their moment, uh, their recruitment with uh, Coach Knight and their first time speaking to him and how short it was and how matter of fact it was. And it's like, it almost gives you no choice but to say, yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, are you going to come play for me? It's like, you can't say no, but you, don't, you also <laughs> yeah. don't tell the general, you know what, I'm going to think about it. I'm not sure. Like, you don't, you don't tell him that. 
So it's almost like if he asks you that, you, you definitely have to say, yeah, yeah. I'm coming. He was, <laughs> he was he was a good closer. He was a good right. closer. <laughs> right, exactly. Hey, so you when you get to IU, man, you you uh you red you end up red shirting. What, what year did you red shirt? How did that how did that conversation come about? And and I know every player wants to play immediately, but how did you feel about it? I, you know, I was disappointed, um, but uh, but a, a part of me was relieved because mm-hmm. because I I mean, uh, <laughs> just being pragmatic at the time uh, and 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 being on the court and playing against oh I don't know somebody like Andre Patterson every day <laughs> right and, and and you know and and, and and trying to guard somebody like Jason Collier you know mm-hmm. these physical specimens that yeah. are, are just freak athletes. I, I, I kind of knew that I really wasn't ready for the Big Ten yet. So, I mean, it it was disappointing, but also a little bit of a relief uh, that that I knew that I had some time uh, yeah. to get my, my legs under me because, I mean, those those guys – I mean, Andre was on a different planet, man. Different I mean, he planet. still – I saw I saw him last year or, or maybe uh, – yes, I guess it was last year. It was maybe 18 months ago. Uh-huh. And, and he, he, he looks like he did in college. Like, I mean, I still <laughs> – I was like, man, him, him, and Luke Jimenez never age. I don't know what's going on, but like, never they, age, never age. So, um, but, uh, but anyhow, that it, it was, it was disappointing. Um, I thought that I was going to actually have, right at the beginning of the season. I think was when Collier ended up transferring somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, and and I thought there was a chance that they might um, might let me come back, you know, and, and go ahead since there was a, kind of a roster spot open. But we still. With with Eggers there and and man, yeah. I mean there was a, it was it was pretty post heavy at the time, yeah, so it was uh, it was the it was definitely the best thing. You were there when because uh, I think when I was there my freshman year, the front line was Harris Muzinovich, uh, Robbie Eggers, Richard Mandeville, Jason Collier, Andre yep. Patterson. It was just like it was the biggest dudes I had ever seen in my life, and I'm just I'm like it's and then you go play. They, go ahead. You, no, I was gonna say that that those guys you just listed is like if you watch the Liam Neeson action movie, they're like all the villains that are trying to come kill Liam Neeson, <laughs> right? Exactly. Or or or, or Keanu Reeves, right? John Wick. Those that's you just listed the lineup of assassins. For, oh, you know, just like Muzinovich is was he was like one of the strongest guys I'd ever played against. Like, that's you, incredible. You, you could not – like him and Evan Eschmeyer, when people ask me, like, well, who, who are some of the strongest people you've been around? And they're wanting me to say somebody like, you know, oh, David West or, or somebody, yeah. you know, that I played against. And I was like, you know, let me – Harris Muzinovich and, and Evan <laughs> Eschmeyer. You right. could not move those guys. They were houses. No, no not at all, man. Hey, we're going to jump into something I call the Hoosier 10. I'm going to ask you 10 questions uh, that, that only bat- Hoosiers could know. So you answer them to the best of your ability. What dorm or apartment did you stay on on campus? Well, I, I was I didn't ever stay in the Sorry. I didn't I didn't stay in the dorm. Um, freshman that, that year, was, you ain't stay in the dorm. It was the first year that they ever let freshmen not have to stay in dorms, uh, and and so I got quite the education because I was roommates with Tom Geyer and Rob Turner, Dutch Bufazia uh, himself. Dutch Bufazia. So. Uh, <laughs> There's quite a few stories came from uh, oh, us three living oh, together, but uh, I, I think it was it's it's changed now the name of it, but it was the one was it Village Apartments? Uh, it was the one right across from Memorial Stadium. Uh, oh, okay. There was, the Villas. I think it was the Villas. Yeah, uh, it, it was either Villas or the Village Apartments. And, okay. And, uh, 
and so uh, I stayed. I stayed there. It was an easy walk to the bus, but um, but it led to some some interesting times uh, living with those two. What What was your favorite restaurant to eat in during your playing days? I would say McCree's was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Quickly behind it was was Buffalo's. Okay. Both of them were my were were, were, were way up there. Uh, McCree's, which sadly is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I. I really love that. I remember they used to have a thing where if you went in and you said you asked for the worst seat in the house, you could get a free appetizer or something. And really? then it kind of worked. <laughs> it was like a little secret thing, but then, but then it spread so fast they stopped doing it. But, uh, but I, I, I was a big McCreese fan. Awesome. Well, the last time you've been to Bloomington. Uh, I went back for when, uh, when coach Knott came back. Uh, I think okay. that was the last time when we were there for that. Um, I, I, I'd been to about, I've probably been to about four or five games in the last uh, three or four years. Um, when mm-hmm. I was still coaching, I would take my seniors up for a game. So, oh, okay. uh, uh, so I actually starting in about 2011, I was going probably once or twice a year. So I, I've probably been there a little bit more than that. Uh, so probably about 10 times in the last okay. uh, five or six years. Playing in the Big Ten, you kind of mentioned this earlier. What player gave you the, the toughest time individual? <sighs> Man. Um, I would say Zach Randolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was. Uh, I know he wasn't known for being just an incredible defender or anything, but but you're talking about somebody that was incredibly strong and right. just. I mean, ten times faster than what people really expect and quick. I mean, just very smart player too. Just, I mean, he he was he was always tough to play against. I'd say that that Randolph would be up there. Definitely. Thinking back, what was your toughest place to get a win? Oh, in the big well, I'm gonna give you two answers. Any time that we played at Freedom Hall against Kentucky, that that was always kind of a weird, right. weird atmosphere. I know it's not Big Ten, but that that place no. always was just had a weird feel to it. But I, I but I, actually, I would say. I, it always seems like Illinois for some reason. And I know yeah. that Illinois was really, I mean, they were, they were, they were really tough there. Uh, you know, Michigan state of course was tough, but I, I just thought as far as com- combination of team and atmosphere, um, you know, I always, I, I, I never did feel comfortable for some reason playing at Illinois. It was a, it was right. a tough environment yeah. to, to be comfortable in to me. All that orange, man, all that orange. Uh, Purdue player you dislike playing against the most. Brian Cardinal. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Why is that, man? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, by the way, did you not think that him? I might, I may say his name wrong. Was it? Was it Jacks? Do you remember Jacks? Jakes. I always yep. say Jacks. Yeah. I don't know how, but it seemed like that that was Cardinal's son. I know that the, the timeline <laughs> right. doesn't match up, but man, those it's just the most like just get under your skin uh, yeah, just yeah. as a plays over elbow to the chin oh, yeah. oh and it was just it was just kind of that passive aggressive uh right. cheap shots that just at, at, at you know you, you you absorb like 10 of them and then you finally deliver one back and it looks like you're overreacting and yeah. you're the one that gets the foul the technical <laughs> they are so good at that man it's so yeah. annoying and and it's i mean i, I know it was smart of, of how they play but it just i hated it I know it's a lot to pick from because you played at a time where it was really, really physical with the Big Ten. So it's a lot of play. You could pick some from practice. Um, what was your most memorable Coach Knight moment? Your most memorable? Oh me, um, I think 
and and I think the one where uh, he kicked a, he kicked a player off the team at one point. He ended up bringing him back, but I, I remember the setup, you know. And and, and I, I got there to practice one day, and one of the seniors' lockers was completely cleaned out, mm-hmm. and all it, all it was in there was two items. There was two items left uh, that were out of place. And uh, we all didn't know what was going on. Uh, the the nameplate was gone. All of his gear was gone. We're mid-season. And, uh, and we go out and we're warming up for practice. And uh, this, this senior comes out and he's got these two items in his hands like this. And he yells down at Coach Knight on the other end. He's like, he's like Coach, what's this about? Mm-hmm. And like the gym just went quiet. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> and Coach, and, and everybody kind of spins their head around and looks at Coach Knight. It was like a, out of a movie, like a wild wet, you know. Right. So Coach Knight just slow, slowly starts walking towards him. And, uh, you know, and the senior, he still got his street clothes on because he didn't have any gear to put on. And, like, Coach Knight's walking slowly towards him. I swear, like a tumbleweed went across half court. Right. Like a, you know, <laughs> yes. I- and, um, and so I'm, I'm on that end of the court close enough that I can hear what's going on. And Coach Knight gets down to him, and, the, and he's the, the player's got a sleeve of tennis balls in one hand and a, and a tennis racket and the other and uh and coach not looked at him and he looked at the the tennis balls and the tennis racket and he said son the way you've been playing defense here lately it's obvious you're not committed to playing a team sport so I thought you'd be better off taking up an individual one and he kicked him out <laughs> and I was like oh that was a that was a great setup and man it delivered in the final right. episode <laughs> right wow Jeez. uh and so uh you know he it was a, it was two, it was a couple of days until he let him come back, but it, mm-hmm. I just appreciated the thought, the effort, and the delivery. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people didn't realize, you know, yes, Coach Knight can be he could be blunt and yeah. just over the head with something, but uh, a lot of times he was able to get points across in some ways that you just uh, that were surprising, but but landed an impact, and that was one of them with me. Awesome man, awesome story. Uh, if you had to put together your own personal four-player IU basketball Mount Rushmore, who would you put on that list? Oh man, um, I would go, and I'm gonna I'm gonna forget somebody, and you're gonna say their name. And I'm gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, of course. Off the top of my head, I've just the, the the first three that come to my mind anytime I think about something like this is is Isaiah. Henderson and Cheney, and I, right. I just can't. I can't. That's just kind of my wheelhouse of, of like guys that I saw a lot of Absolutely. and knew a lot of. And I know I'm. Uh, if you go, if you go back a little bit further, I'm not as well versed in it. But you know, I'd say I might have to go Kent Benson. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. uh, I, I just don't know. I, I, that 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 that's that's the first the first three come to mind always are those. And, and, and uh, I would I would put those three up. I'd feel pretty good with my starting five if those three are on it, right. uh, no matter right. who my other two are. <laughs> hey, everybody's has been different. There's no right or wrong answer. So it's just a matter of who pops in your head first. That's why I tell people. So uh, who was your favorite IU player of all time? I'm going to past say present, past or present. It don't matter. Yeah. That you enjoy watching that you just enjoy. Um, you know, somebody that I just thoroughly enjoyed watching and, and I, 
and, and I'm just going to go with the first one that popped in my head. I, I loved watching Yogi play. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I had, I, there, it's been a, it's been a, it was a long time. Like when you're a kid, you can kind of, you watch, you know, you kind of get to uh, be a fan of somebody. It's right. a little bit different when you're older and the guys you're watching, you're older than, right. you know, but it was, but I would say Yogi was one of the first players I'd watched in a while where it was just like, you could just kind of see the enthusiasm and the joy. Right. And, um, and, 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 and I, I don't know. I, I just, I just thoroughly enjoyed watching Yogi play when okay. uh, uh, that, he, he was one that, uh, one of the first ones that after I got through playing that really did have me wanting to tune in to watch. Right. Awesome. Awesome. And what past or present player defines IU basketball? So this player is you think Indiana basketball when you think about this player. I think, I think it's gotta be to me, Damon Bailey. Right, just, yeah. just right. the, I mean, going, <laughs> going back to like the Sports Illustrated, and you know, you just kind of have these little snapshots of, of, of what you kind of as growing up, what you kind of envision Indiana basketball looking like, and for lack of a better term, you just kind of, you kind of, and that this is, I mean, I'm not saying anything, but you just thought like short shorts, you know, yeah. and and <laughs> tough nose, you know, and, and I, right. I don't know, it was just something about, so I, I guess that that would be. Um, if there was a kind of a, a, a poster that you were going to create, I think that you, he would have to be on it. Uh, right. If you're going to put a do do the the Indiana Hoosier basketball poster. Right. Hey man, that concludes our Hoosier ten man. Those are all great answers. There's no right or wrong answers. It's just what the player feels. So man, we're gonna jump right back into your IU career, man. And I know that you you developed and you begin to get more minutes uh, uh, than the following year after Jason Carrier left. Then the following year, Luke Wrecker left. The year you arrived, Neil Reed left. What do you remember about those times where guys were just leaving the program? What were your thoughts? What were the thoughts going through your mind, and how did you get through it? Yeah, I mean, I'd never experienced anything like that. I mean, that was yeah, – right. it, it was really – I mean, <laughs> it, it was just disheartening because I guess I felt like – I felt like – I mean, I felt like – if I could go and, and I, I just like, I was, I was just, I was struggling, but I was like, if I felt like if I can go through this and I'm able to handle it and I'm this, you know, as coach would say, I'm from Podunk, Tennessee right. and, and I'm not, and, and I was like, this is tough, but I don't think it's tough enough that, that I feel like that it's, it's unfair right now, or I need that I, I would have a better chance of success somewhere else. And, right. mm-hmm. and I mean, and, more more power to him. I mean, uh, Luke went on to have an incredible career at Iowa, and mm-hmm. of course, Collier had a had a had a great run mm-hmm. at Georgia Tech. Um, but uh, but it was I just didn't get it. You know, I, I just um, I, I know I know that you, I probably will be the 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 hundredth person to say this on this podcast. Uh, but you know, the most common mantra that you had when people would come back, and it was incredible advice, was like they would say. Listen to why Coach Knott is saying something to you, not how he's saying it to you. Uh-huh. And and if you always tried to approach it, I mean, it was tough sometimes. But if you always just tried to say like, why is this going down like this? Right. And and you know, <clears throat> I tell people this. I mean, like like you, like if somebody says, "Hey, did you play basketball?" Yes. Where did you play basketball at? Indiana. Did you have any Coach Knott stories? Yeah. You know yeah. what was it like? <laughs> did he throw a chair at you? Did yeah, he, yeah. You know, it's always the same. Like it's did like you? Coach Knott. It's like Indiana basketball bingo. Oh, chair comment. Ah, 
you, you yeah. know, you go down the list. Yeah. And, uh, and so what I tell people is like, listen, you know, 90% of the stuff that coach not said and did, I understood the reason behind it. And there, and I think it had a good meaning and, and, a, and it came from a good place. I said, there's probably 10% that wasn't doing anybody any good. And I right, said, that's, right. I, I said, that's, that's just, you know, that's probably the ratio for most of us, but his was high profile, uh, you know, a lot more than what our 10% of nonsense might be. So, right, yeah. um, so I, I just, it just confused me because I just didn't feel, I, I just was as far away from that feeling most days as, as possible. We all had our moments, but, uh, uh, where we were like, what are we doing? But, uh, right. but for the most part, you know, the next day you, you knew it was going to be uh, work as usual. Right. You were, you were around and I never knew the answers to these questions. Did you know why Collier transferred or why Luke Record transferred? I never, I wasn't around because it seemed to happen just sporadically. And then all of a sudden they were gone, but, but I never knew a real reason why either of those guys left. I never, ever had any kind of insight on that. I just, mm -hmm. uh, I remember finding out about, uh, uh, I think Luke was roommates with, um, with, with Lewis, with Mike mm -hmm. Lewis. And yeah. I just, uh, and I, the way I remember it is that they had just kind of called some of us over, you know, or, or a couple of us, they said, Hey, stop by the apartment. And, uh, we got just something to tell you. And, uh, and so, uh, I, th I just remember stopping by and, and, and them just kind of saying, you know, that, you know, that Luke saying that he was going to leave. And, and mm. it was just like, it, uh, it was just kind of like the normal thing. It was just like, I just, you know, feel like I can, uh, you know, have a better opportunity. It was just kind of your, your usual right. kind of platitudes. But, oh, okay. um, but I, I never did get a, 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 a very great concrete answer to that myself. Um, right. You know, that it was, um, you know, I, I think that you kind of approach it two different ways. You, you, you feel like it's going to hurt the team, but then you also realize it's a, it's possible opportunity for other people to, ha you know, be able to do stuff. And, Absolutely. and I, I mean, that, and day five to this day gives me all kinds of grief. Any, I mean, if we, we're, if we could be texting about uh, the U S open golf tournament, and then in the middle of it, he's going to be like, I can't believe you didn't come back your senior year. We, right. you know, <laughs> and, and he'll, he'll take that shot at me. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, you know, and I, and I, I regret a lot of that myself, but mm -hmm. uh, I also look at, man, look, you know, George Leach got a chance, you know, all these guys that, that I would have been just chewing up some of their opportunities, Jared Odell. I mean, some of these yeah. guys that had this incredible moment that I was like, man, that sometimes that works out. I mean, those, those guys got, there was, there was 30 minutes, 35 extra minutes a game to go around to guys that had, a, you know, got to have that experience. So, uh, and that, I think that that's kind of the way we had to approach it when those guys were leaving is that, you know, it was next man up kind of thing. Right. And that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I, I regret, my only regret is not knowing what was going on. Like I had no yeah. idea. And, you know, and always look at, when you look back at your career, you look at what you could have did better. And from my stand, my personal standpoint, it would have been to, you have to be friends and you have to have genuine relationships with your teammates in order to have success. And I don't, I didn't feel like, me personally, I didn't engage in that enough. You know, I was, it wasn't, we weren't bad guys, but it was like when you went through practice and you went through conditioning, everybody just kind of darted out their separate ways. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it was just what it was. And only people who had dialogue with one another were the roommates. And that's why everything yeah. was so, 
you know, but to be a good team and to be a championship team and learn this as you go forward is you have to, you have to really be on the same page. And, and, and as a leader, and I was a leader for three years on that team, possibly four, I, it was just so locked in on doing the job that you yeah. didn't realize that there were some people next to you that were unhappy or you know, yeah. it could possibly be because of me or a perception or whatever. But I just was oblivious to it and didn't find out until it was already done. And, and I, you know, as I'm talking to guys, I'm like, what? I, I never knew why these dudes left. Or Because you were, Coach Knight was tough on you. But I would always see you bite the bite the teeth and just keep moving. <laughs> I mean, it was like, dang, he was on Kirk's ass, but he's turned into an All-American, you know, at the end of the day. So uh, that's just a very important for, for people, kids in college to understand. That's that's a great that's a great catch by it's a great observation by you looking mm-hmm. back of just being able to learn uh you know because that you you even at that point you're still you're today still looking back learning how to be a better leader you know right. and that's I mean and and uh and that's 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 pretty I like I like how you're doing that because that's yes. that's very that's very true because if you don't have if you don't have that uh, connectivity and, and and to be honest. When I, I mean, I coached for, um, I coached for about around 10 years. And one of the things that I did, you know, I learned a lot of things from Coach Knight that, that I used directly, tried to copycat. One of the things that I went opposite of him on was the, uh, you know, kind of the, the not being as demonstrative towards players in front of them. And, and kind of what I told my players was, I just told them, uh, I said, you don't show me up, I don't show you up. I said, if we've got a, if we've got something that we need to discuss, or we we've got an issue with each other, we take it to the locker room and we'll hash it out. Right. But we're not going, we're not going to air out our grievances in front of everybody and especially the other team. And, and so that was that was something I felt like, kind of to your point, that we saw that that maybe we did opposite. We learned to do maybe a little bit more the other way. Both methods can work. I'm not saying that they that one way is better and one way is not. But I just felt like, as far as when you're dealing with kids this, in, in present day uh, and at the high school level uh, that you're better off trying to keep it in house when you have that and not, not right. kind of show the, uh, you know, kind of like in the Godfather where he gets on to Sonny for like, never let anybody outside the family know what you're thinking. Right. You know, yeah. when, he, when he's, he's having the, uh, the old meeting. Uh, but anyhow, uh, that's, that's kind of the approach that I ended up going with that. You know, I learned from uh, Tom Izzo that, you know, you can get on your players, but if you yeah. get on them to the point where it affects the emotion, now we talk about the social emotional side of, of, of coaching and playing that you have to do something to shore that up on the back end. So if I dog, if I get on Kirk Hastings, I have to be able to go to Kirk and let him know, Hey, this is all, this is basketball. I don't personally dislike you. I'm not trying to yeah. destroy your mentality, but I have yeah, to. Yeah, it's, it's a I scales. Think, yeah, it's a scale. You got to keep. You got to keep the scales at certain. You got and, and right. players need. Yeah, it's exactly. And I know that from what from their perspective. I know that that's probably what happened. It was too much. It was too much of this and not enough of this. And at yeah. that time, it was changing. The game was changing, and uh, you know, we uh, coach Knight and a lot of coaches had to change the way that they approach things. So. Uh, it's very important for coaches out there to know that you have to be able to find balance uh, because the, the emotional side is a lot more sensitive than it was then. So, you know, you can tell them, tell them you're doing, you're traveling, you're traveling every time you do that move, they'll get mad now. It's like, damn, I can't, I can't even coach. 
So, like, so you got to balance it out, man. Um, what a you, your mother passed, and I, I remember remember that happening, and I was thinking like, man, I could not continue playing basketball. Like you, from that moment, I knew you were mentally more mentally tough than I was on a certain level when it came to personal uh, issues. Because me, I'm a mama's boy too, and I was like, how how are you able to persevere, and how take us back if you can, if you don't want to talk about it, don't. But take us back to that moment where you found that out and the thoughts that were going through your mind and, and eventually how did Coach Knight, did he have any part in helping you persevere and, and get through it? I know basketball does a lot and keeps you busy, keeps you, yeah. but that's something that's just an anomaly and you, you just never think that's going to happen and it did to you. How did you get through that? How Coach Knight helped Um Yeah, I, I don't mind talking about yeah. it. Uh, okay. I, think, I, think, I think that a lot of times people, People think that uh, they don't want to bring something like that up, but uh, after, especially after a certain amount of time, when you get a chance to talk about somebody like that, you know, right. even if it's in, in a bad moment, it's uh, you don't mind. But it, I, I was actually, uh, you remember Dave Pillar yep. and uh, Brandon Sorrell and Ted Hodges? They all lived. Shout out all own. those IU basketball manager legends. I, yeah, I legends. know you listen. <laughs> talk about Mount Rushmore managers, yep. right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, also Jerry Hickey, he was another roommate of theirs. But they, I, I, I was, I'd always stay over there at, at uh, Hoosier Courts, um, and uh, and I, I'd stay over there all the time. And so, uh, I, it was the last day of summer school. I was going back home the next day, and uh, and so uh, I, I'd stayed over their house until probably about, I don't know, eleven uh, thirty at night or whatever. And I get, I drive back across to uh, my apartment and I get there and there's uh, a message on my answering machine and I just hit it and, uh, and it's my granddad. And I can tell he's upset, but it, he just says, Hey, Kirk, you need to give me a call when you get in. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I call granddad and, uh, and, and he just says, you know, there was a tornado tonight and we lost your mom. And, uh, and I just, I, I never had it this just, I just immediately went to my knees. Right. Like I, I really like it. I, it just knocked me to the floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and he just said, he said, uh, is anybody, you know, or do you have any friends there right now? I'm like, no, I'm just at my apartment. And uh, he goes, go, go back to your friend's house. I mean, it's, it's like midnight by now. <clears throat> and, um, and they were all going to bed when I left. And, uh, and so I was like, I, I don't want to bother them. And, and he's like, no, you need to, he said, go, go back over to your, your, your friend's apartment tonight. And I said, okay. And so uh, I don't know who he called or how it got, how the word got around. Uh, when I left the apartment, like they were going to bed and the part in the parking lot was pretty much empty because it was the last day of summer school. Mm-hmm. There was, all the students were gone. I got back over there and there was like cars there their door was open. There was like 12 people inside the apartment. There was people everywhere mm-hmm. that had come over because they knew that's where I was heading back. And wow. so from, from, from that point, I don't know how the word, how the, who contacted who, but from that point that night, I mean, I had 20, 30 people of the Hoosier basketball family around me from that, mm-hmm. at that, that night. And, and, uh, and they got me through that night. You know, I remember just, different people at different times we just go walk through the parking lot of the and just take a walk uh, right mm-hmm. the uh i remember the assistant coaches got there at about probably 1 a.m and uh and and uh and, and I, I visited with them they, they they stayed with me for a while 
And then uh, the next day, granddad drove up and picked me up to take me back uh, to Tennessee uh, for, for the uh, funeral and for the arrangements. And um, so I rode back with him. Uh, when I got back to the house, uh, I, walked, I walked in the door, sat down in the house for about three minutes when uh, uh, Coach Knight knocked on the door. He'd almost beat me home. Uh, they, it was so late the night before that they couldn't get him at like 1 a.m. So he didn't find out about it until the next morning at like 7. But uh, I was already on the way back. So uh, he, had, he had flown down uh, with the assistant coaches. And, uh, and so I just uh, – he, he took me back uh, to the kitchen, uh, my, my house that I grew up in. And uh, so I'm just sitting there at the kitchen table with, with Coach Knight, the same table that, you know, mom and I did homework on and wrapped yeah. Christmas presents and, you know, and, and um, I, I'll never forget this. He said, uh, he said, he said, I knew your mom, you know, she, he knew her story and everything. And he said, he said, I know that you're going to be able to make it through this because you're like her and you know how tough she was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that was just kind of my, yeah. my little mantra for the, for the rest of that year and, and going forward was just that, you know, you know, you've got to show that toughness that she right. that she showed being a single parent. You know, uh, uh, you know, raising a raising a kid and and you know, besides just having just a bas- the bas- just having a basketball family, man. I right. mean, I don't know. I mean that that's that that was a lot. But also, and I and I kind of I don't know if this came from Coach Knott directly or if this was more just Tim Garl. Uh, but but I want to give Tim Garl a lot of credit. He. Mm-hmm counselor and uh, and I don't think I don't know if anybody on the team even knew this but like uh, he found me a, a, a grief counselor to talk to and hmm. so nope. once or twice a week I would go and just um, and have and have a you know sessions with him just talking through it and and and, and found out some ways that I could kind of um, you know some techniques of going off uh, to uh, there was a park in, in town I'd go to a park and I would just kind of write in a journal and there was just some some outlets that I found that helped me Right. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, it, it was, uh, I appreciated Tim getting me connected with that because that, that really helped me get through that year too. Awesome, man. And, you know, I was team MVP that year, but to me, you were team MVP. We needed you. You still came and you performed. You couldn't tell that, you know, that, you know, I look back and watch those games. Sometimes you try to look and see if you were affected and you just played the game. And, you know, I, I think there's nothing tougher than that. There's nothing you have to be more mentally tough to do than to get through something like that. So I commend you for that. Like I said, back in those days, like I wouldn't know what to say to you about something like that. Like, what do you say? Like, you know what I mean? Like, hey man, like, hey, you know, do I, do I give you dap 300 times? Like, what do I do? Yeah. So, you know, it was more just say, hey, man, just give him space to let him heal. And, uh, and at the end of the day, that's that's what we did. And, and uh, you know, that was a, a difficult moment, but you, you came out a lot stronger uh you know from that situation but man uh we get back to the, the happier side man well no, I, first of all I, side. Huh? go ahead no i just well, i appreciate you i appreciate oh, you saying no. that and and i did before we before we left uh that 98 99 season i wanted to just show you something real quick okay huh? this is that is the actual red book <laughs> my 98 99 season wow okay? so that you know that that had all of our uh you know, wow. of course, you got you got all of the the notes oh, from all the games. Yes. And everything. But the most important thing in this is in the back. I don't mm-hmm. know if you can see this or not. It says 
AJ versus me Nintendo game battle. <laughs> that is the actual. That is the actual list on one of our road games. You and I got to going back and forth, seeing who could list the most Nintendo games, original NES really? games. <laughs> and so on the back, I was writing down the ones that we had listed to see, and, and whoever couldn't went until the other one couldn't list one, and then that was going to be the other one would be the winner. And so <laughs> I, I've got I've got Pitfall, Karate Kid, Dig Dug, Joust, Bases Loaded, Duck Hunt. But anyhow. This was this is vintage. This is vintage. AJ Gotten versus Kirk Haston uh, uh, stuff here. Was oh, that my that's me on the left column with the short well, name? <laughs> I, I think I think that we were just listing them. We were. Just, oh, okay. I, I was just writing them as they were listed to know that we didn't backtrack. I, right. I actually put the alphabet here to help me go through the alphabet <laughs> and see if I can remember any. So I go A B C D that E is F G H hoops hoops hoops. Right. Uh, so. You ended up uh, you ended up beating me in that battle, but I, I just that was that's that's vintage ninety eight ninety nine red book material there. Hey, man, among, would... among other important things like right. <laughs> Michigan's pick and roll, the, but, the but, scout. Yeah. yeah, hey, we gonna get to that red book too, man. I mean, these these things roll on because we got so much to cover, man. Kirk Kasten, one of the great all time greats, man. Not only did you go through two transfers, you went through a coaching change. We, what? What was going through your mind? And did you even think about transferring after, uh, you know, Coach Knight got let go in that summer? Uh, first, let me let me rewind that because that's something I do want to ask you. We had, I, I feel like 99-2000 was one of Coach's greatest coaching jobs. I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of talent, but we were one of the best teams in the Big Ten. We competed every game. We go into this, uh, you know, coaches, the thing comes out about Coach right at before the Big Ten tournament. So we limping into the Big Ten tournament. You get hurt in the Big Ten tournament, I believe. What happened? I I actually, it was the game before the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had broken my hand. Uh, I'd gotten a broken bone in my left hand playing Iowa, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the last regular season game. Um, okay. And uh, and so I had a I had a cast, but um, I had uh, really struggled. I didn't I didn't play very good in the big 10 tournament right and uh but yeah i I had a uh uh i did have a i did have a broken bone in my my left hand uh going into the uh right right before the tournament started i thought it was a knee issue oh now you're talking about uh the the when we went to pepperdine yeah Uh, yeah Yeah. i that that we were playing pepperdine and uh in the in buffalo yeah. And uh, it was in the – I came down, it was uh, in the first four minutes of the of the game. Um, Lewis on the first – our first offensive possession, Lewis hit me with a pass on the left wing, and I hit a shot that gave him, at that point in time, the all-time uh, assist leader record at Indiana. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we all knew he needed one more, and I was, I was like, I, if he throws it to me, I want to make this shot so I can be the one that got him the record. So I make that shot, go back down, and Pepperdine uh, guy was posting me up and kind of backed into the side of my knee ah. and, uh, and, uh, and, and tore cartilage and mm-hmm. uh, had, a, had a ligament sprain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I went down. And that, that's, that's the first time that I'd ever had an injury like that. I'd never had an injury where, like, I couldn't I, – I just couldn't play. Like, I couldn't straighten my, my knee out. You know, I couldn't straighten my leg out. 
And, uh, and so I just I was sent to the locker room uh, immediately. Uh, and so that I played four – I think I played four minutes in that, four in that game against Pepperdine. I, I didn't think you played at all because I it seemed like – I just remember – Well, like, I, 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 I didn't play long. <laughs> yeah, I just remember like we were preparing for – they had played like a zone press or something. They were long. And I, and I just remember, I'm like, we cool because we get the ball in the middle to Kurt. Kirk going to either hit the jump shot, he's going to go to the basket, or he's going to make the pass for a three. But you wasn't there, and it seemed like it was numb on the floor because just because you weren't there. And I'm like, we're going to get our ass kicked. I just – we don't have enough because we don't have that outlet in the middle. And I was thinking, well, where the hell is Kirk? But I just didn't remember you even starting. I just remember Larry Richardson being in there. And, I, yeah. you know, I'm just like, I love Larry, but I need Kirk out here. Are we in trouble? And, of course, they upset us and beat us in the first round. Ended my career. Yeah. But, you know, it's such a fog going up, leading up into that because of all that was surrounding the team at that time. And I yeah. tell people all the time, I said, you guys get on me. I said, but I lived through three transfers and a scandal. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, four years. It's like, you know, at that time, I'm not thinking. I'm just trying to keep playing and win. But, yeah. you know, have, having to overcome all that, man, and then to cap it off with not having you in the, uh, in the, in the, in the tournament where I thought we was going to make a nice run because we had a really good team that year. Uh, we yeah. were clicking uh, off cylinders. It was, it was so frustrating. It was yeah. – uh, I, I remember um, – I remember Coach Knott coming back uh, at halftime when the, I was in there with the doctors, and, uh, and he uh, – and he was just like, he was just like, why can't he get back in the game? You know, why can't he play? And they were like, he's done, coach. You know, yeah. he's got, he's going to have to probably have surgery. And I, I did end up having to have surgery. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it was, it was a quick, it was like first two or three minutes of the game uh, that it happened. And then I was, I was done. Uh, but the, yeah, the, the, the year before was the, um, we played, um, I had the broken hand is when okay. we went to Orlando and we yeah. played uh, George Washington, Washington yeah. and then Ron Artest at St. John's. John's. <laughs> that, that was, that was, that was the year before. So, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, but yeah, the knee, the knee injury happened that year. And that, that was, um, of course that was against Van Bredikoff who had taken the scholarship offer of Vanderbilt. So I was geared up yeah, and ready to play against Van Bredikoff. And yeah. so it just really was a kick in the teeth. Absolutely. So you, what, what were you going through your mind when Coach and I got let go? And did you ever think about transferring during that time? You know, I, I didn't because I think for two reasons. I, I, you know, being an upperclassman already and already having a redshirt year on me, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to have a, another year added on of like waiting to play and, and, and right. uncertainty. So I – True, and I just loved. I loved Bloomington. I loved Indiana. Like I was, yeah. I had gotten comfortable there. It, it, I, it was definitely a, a second home. Felt great. I just loved the, the people there, and um, and so a lot of a, a lot of the a lot of the guys were ready to transfer, and um, and we it was it was so strange. We were, uh, we would be getting called out of class, student athletes. We were getting called out of class to meet with the administration about what we needed to do coaching wise mm-hmm. to keep all the team together. Right. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll, I've got to miss my class professor. Cause I've got to go, do, you know, but anyhow, yeah, so, right. <laughs> we, so we would meet and they would be like, well, what's it going to take to keep everybody intact or mm-hmm. everybody here? And it was like, it was like these, you know, it was like off the movie success or the TV show succession, you know, we're having these high level negotiations and we're like, 
18, 19 years old, right. trying to like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, so we finally, we, everybody calmed down after a few days and, and we tried to just say like, listen, if we can keep this nucleus together and, uh, and, and we have uh, Davis and Trelore still here and, and, and we can keep this unit together. I mean, you know, we can still kind of galvanize this around like this is Coach Knott's group that he put together. I mean, do, I mean, do we do we want to let this fracture and then we never know? And or, you know, it was a little bit more of a, you know, if, if we can put the keep this together, you know, we're, we can kind of do it still for Coach Knott. And so mm-hmm. we were able to, you know, it. it it was touch and go. I mean, there for a while, the linchpin of the whole thing. I spent a lot of time talking with Dane. Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 I don't think I had any impact on his decision making necessarily. Right. Dane's mm-hmm. going to do what Dane's going to do, but right. you know, and he and he had a good network of family and friends to to, to advise him. But I mean, I was really I I really felt like if Dane to stay or if Dane would stay, yeah. That, Everybody else, but if if uh, if that one if that one person, especially like him, if he left, uh, I thought it's going to be an exodus. You know, right. uh, Jeffries and everybody would be heading out. But when when Dane, the key thing was was Dane deciding that he was going to stay. I thought that that was the the glue that kept uh, kept everything together that year. Yo, and then Coach Davis takes over, man. How did how did how did how was Coach Davis different from Coach Knight? Uh, totally atmosphere mm-hmm. and not I'm not saying in a in a bad way I mean it right. was uh I enjoyed I really enjoyed coach Davis I enjoyed playing for him um and and thought that it, it had a much more looking back and and then going on and be and, and, and playing uh uh some some professional ball it, it was a much more of a pro style offense right. you know mm-hmm. a lot more set plays um and uh and and so but uh not as much of the of the motion, but I, I, I like I like I like that that I like playing both ways. I, yeah, I, I don't sure. I don't think that there's one way that's better than the other necessarily. But uh, you know, but it was it was a little different. You know, we played a few. We were playing a little bit of zone here and there. Uh, so uh, which, but I, you know, I, I think that what carried me a little bit with with playing for Coach Davis, even though I I loved him as a person and and just just his personality was infectious um you know i never was one of his guys right yeah and there's always a little bit there i thought of like brought in some guys that like it was his recruits and his guys and um and so i I felt like that i was um and and maybe i was wrong but i always felt like i was a little bit on a short leash and that that there was a little bit of uh you know, there was just um, there was a couple of red flags along the way that scared me a little bit. Was um, the first time I missed a game uh, that year? I, I, well, I, I missed I missed a game for turf toe. I had turf okay. toe, and they sent me out of one of the Hoosier Classic games. Yeah, I missed I missed I think I missed one game. Uh, and the next game I came back, I didn't start. Right. And I was like, well, that's fine. I'm coming back from an injury. And then the next game, I didn't start. And then the next game I didn't start. I was coming in off the bench and I was still uh, you know, leading scorer, leading rebounder, but I couldn't earn my starting position back. Right. And so and nobody said anything to me. Nobody ever explained it to me. It was just it was gone. I lost, you know, and that's kind of a thing where you don't usually lose a starting job to injury, at least without some sort of explanation. And so I finally uh I went to the coaches and I was just like, what do I need to do? Uh and they said, Well, as long as we got this winning streak going. 
we're going to keep it going like this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, okay, I, I, okay, I, I can go with that. Uh, but I was like, you know, I'm coming in, coming in and then playing most of the game after and, right. and everything. And, but I was like, I don't know, but, uh, yeah. you know, you just, some of it's just kind of inexperienced youth and being right. you know, frustrated. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I remember there was a, things that just kind of stuck in my mind that year is um we played at ohio state and we were up we were up one with uh seconds to go and ohio state was inbounding the ball and uh i i jumped out in the passing lane i probably had three steals all year this was one of them right but I, I i jumped out in the passing lane and stole the inbounds pass you know that would have been a, you know a potential game winning play for ohio state Stole the inbounds pass, went in and laid it in on the other end to put us up three with three seconds to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, after the game, press asked him about it, and 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 he goes, uh, "Well, he lunges out. He he says Hasten lunges after stuff all the time in practice. I'm glad he finally got lucky." <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, <laughs> right." You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. and it was it, there was never anything major, but it was just right. this kind of like along the way. I was just like, you know, I just felt like. Mm -hmm. It, it, that it was just wasn't a great mess, you know. Right. It wasn't anything. He never, he never did anything to me that I could say like, oh, that was it. But it was just a vibe uh, that um, that I just, I just never did feel as comfortable playing playing for him as I did for Coach Knott. Right. It looked like it worked out, man. In the end, um, but you know, I plan for Coach Davis. You hit one of the biggest shots in Indiana basketball history against Michigan State, man. So to to knock off a team of that caliber, man. Uh, take us back and take us through that play uh, of, of how that shot came about and, and what it was bedlam afterward. And, and you were a big man on campus again. What <laughs> Take us back to that. Well, I give Coach Davis a lot of credit for allowing me to start shooting threes. Like right, he, yeah. he really he really did let me branch out. And uh, and I never shot any threes in high school or anything. And he just kind of – he cut me loose. And and I, I, I give him a ton of credit for that. And uh, mm -hmm. he gave me a lot of confidence with that. And um, – so, uh, you know, we actually, you know, Kyle Hornsby, we designed uh, the play for Kyle Hornsby coming off, uh, you know, some staggered screens coming up to the top of the key. Mm -hmm. And, and the, you know, I was kind of the backup. I was the plan B if, 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 Horn, if uh, Hornsby wasn't, you know, open at the top to take it, uh, mm -hmm. I was supposed to flare out for a little kickback. And so yeah. that's, that's how it went. Now, what was supposed to happen was mm -hmm. Randolph was supposed to, hopefully chase after Hornsby. And, right. And so they, that, that would get him. He didn't go because, like I said earlier, he's a smart defender. And so when I caught it, I got it back. Randolph's just right in front of me. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, luckily, not, he, Zach's an incredible player. But luckily, if there was maybe one player in the Big Ten I might could jump one inch higher than, it was <laughs> right. Zach. Exactly. You know, he wasn't just a, a – you know, he, he didn't have just incredible hops. Had everything else, though. Mm -hmm. So I was able to take one little escape dribble and 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 get and get the shot off over him and uh, and uh, fortunately it went in and I tell people I've taken I've taken two game winning shots in my entire basketball career one we were down one my junior year in high school in the state championship game and I missed it mm -hmm. and the second one was against Michigan State so all time wow. I'm, I'm one I'm one for two but one for two. Uh, Luckily, Coverdale, I got on the, uh, the bottom of that dog pile, and luckily, Coverdale came in and, and pulled me out because I was it was getting dark and, uh, and and pretty heavy at the bottom of that. But Coverdale just started throwing people off like King Kong Bundy in in, uh, in a Royal Rumble. But <laughs> right. uh, but uh, it it was um, that was a pretty pretty special day.
Awesome, man. And uh, you hit the big shot, man, and they rushed the floor, man. And I'm sure there's no feeling like that uh, to make a game-winning shot in Assembly Hall. You you know that feeling at Michigan State, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know that feeling at Temple. Oh, Temple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) against Temple. So that place explodes. You hit a big one at Michigan State too, didn't you? I, I think we, I think we ended up going into overtime, and, and we no, made. Uh, Morris Peterson hit a big one to send it into overtime, but we, we had a, I think I had a six point lead with about a minute ten left. We missed the front end at run of a one and one, and I just, I know I had a great game. I know against yeah, well, at home, I, I hit one to tie it, and then I shot the, the air ball for the Liam Washington to, to lay it up. And then oh, the one that. against Temple and Penn State at Penn State. So, but yeah, it was, I mean, it's, it's nothing like hitting a, a game winner in Assembly Hall. That place explodes. And it's like, you can't hear anything. That was one of the things that blew my mind as the fir- my first year there. Of course, mm-hmm. I was just watching games on the bench. I could not believe how loud, I've, I've told people that mm-hmm. you could be, at half, you could be somebody could be shooting free throws, and you could be at the three point line, and you're trying to scream at them like the next play or the defensive right. assignment. Mm-hmm. You could scream, and they would not hear you. They would not right. know anybody was near them. I mean, it's uh, it's it's unbelievable how loud that place. Yeah, unbelievable! Is. You gotta learn sign language real quick, man. Um, <laughs> last last but not least, certainly at least, I want to dive into this this classic right here that you pinned, man. Uh, Days of night. Um, you talked about how this idea came about, but your mother was the one who initially told you to make sure that you kept all those notes and that you kept the journal of your experience at Indiana. And that's, that's some force from forethought for you because I don't know where my red book is. I couldn't tell you what happened to it. And now when, when I, once I saw you pin that book, I'm like, where is my red, like, where's my red book? Why I throw that thing away? Cause you, you have, and you still have that red book. That's what you just showed me right there. Yeah. And this and it is the reason you was able to pin it. So those who don't have that, go out there and make sure you get this. I had to start rereading it because I, I read it at Northwestern in the middle of a season. And, you know, it's not focused in the middle <laughs> yeah. of a season. So preparing for this, 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 this discussion, I started reading again. I'm like, and the memories start flooding back. And I'm like, man, I got now I got time to focus and really read it. How, what was the thought process of, of that went into uh, you know, creating this book uh, for, for, for the Hoosier faithful? Well, I was just going through the attic and I came across, you know, you know, the red books that I, that I stored away. And how many did you have? I had, I had uh, three of them. I'm missing one. I'm missing one. I don't know what happened to it. Um, uh, I had three of the red books and then I had this, um, this journal that a lot mainly is from my freshman and sophomore years. My mom had given me this journal and just said, Hey, you're going to want to remember some of these stories, top things, you know? Right. So just, you know, when you, you know, and so I would write down uh, people that we met. Uh, like I started keeping a list of people that would come by and visit, you know, uh, Manning and Archie would come by and I'd write something about, you know, just so I could remember it. And so, uh, so I had a, a bunch of stories. What I started to do in the red book, though, because Coach Knott every now and then would – he would check out your red book. He would see – he would kind yeah. of like thumb yeah. through it, you know. And he would say crazy stuff sometimes, some funny stuff. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't want to write – I would want to remember it. And so I would uh, – but I didn't want to write in there and be like, 
Coach Knight just called Bobby Crimmins. Of, uh, right, you know, right. I didn't want to write that down because he was like, why is Kirk writing this stuff down? Mm-hmm. So I would have to, like, I would, like, in the margins, I would almost, like, write in code. Like, I would be, like, you know, RMK, uh, B, you know, and I would, so I, I could go back and kind of decipher it later just so I could remember that story because mm-hmm. I don't have the greatest memory in the world. Right. Um, but I, I just, I just tried to write down a bunch of stories like that. Uh, and, and once, once I came across it, um, I guess, you know, the way I kind of the, the overarching, uh, I had going into it was plenty of negative stuff out there on coach Knight. Right. I mean, yeah. any, any ESPN documentary, whatever, it's <laughs> just, there's plenty, there's plenty. If they're going to talk about coach Knight, not the first thing they're going to do is show two or three terrible things. I mm-hmm. said, that stuff's been covered. I said, going back to the scales thing that we were talking about earlier, I was like, I think that a lot of Hoosier basketball fans might like to at least, you know, see some of the other side, some of the comedy, some of the funny lines, some of the stories that, that, you know, maybe would balance out because if nothing else is out there, everybody's going to be like, well, why did he, by everyone to play for this person it makes right, exactly. it makes us look like we're crazy like we crazy and, and, yeah. <laughs> and, that way if everybody just knows the 10 percent of of the bad coach not stories that are out there and not right. see the other big percentage of other stuff that was going on uh that 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 we saw and experienced so that just just mm-hmm. trying to bounce out the scales a little bit and um and just um and and you know and selfishly you just you know, for, for my family and my kids and stuff one day, I mean, I'm not going, uh, I'm not going to be able to remember all this or get it all right, in video yeah. to them. So like, yeah. hopefully they, they'll be able to know what it was, the experience was like uh, one day when they're older. Right, man. So let me, what, what was their conversation like? Cause you know, stuff like this with coach Knight can go either way. So I know you probably, <laughs> you probably approached him. And said, "Hey, coach, I'm writing a book on you, man. Was it oh, complete? Man. Was it complete before you asked him, or did you ask him before you wrote it? And what was his response?" I get, I get, I start sweating. You just talking about this whole process. <laughs> um, That's a tough. Uh, you don't understand. That's oh, a tough man. conversation, man. When a documentary land, or a book or that's like landmine, landmine. <laughs> I mean, you're looking so. I actually didn't even tell my wife that I was working on this book for about a year. Mm-hmm. I would write after she'd go to bed, I'd write at night or I'd go to the basement and I'd work on it. And, and I didn't, I got about, I had about eight chapters done and mm-hmm. I'd sent it to a couple of people and I'd gotten some, you know, I'd gotten to the point where it looked like somebody was going to be interested in, in getting it or, or, right. or publishing it. Yep. And that, and then, then I told my wife that I was even working on it because there's nothing more annoying than that person that says, Hey, I'm working on a book, you know, anyhow. Mm. So I, I wanted to say, I've got a book ready to go. So once I got about, I knew that I could be doing all of this and it just not matter because right, coach yeah. not torpedoed it. So <laughs> right. I, I printed off a copy one of these Kinkos, I printed off a big old thick copy. It was about like this, you know, one, mm-hmm. and uh, mailed it. Uh, I told Miss Karen, the coach Knott's wife about it. And then I, I said, listen, I'm going to send you this, read over it. Let me know what you, what you think, um, you know, before I go forward with it, I just want to make sure that y'all are comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and, she got back to me and, and she, they had, they didn't have any problem with it. And, and, and she, she said, now 
nothing that's going to come out of this that's going to that's going to going to hurt him. Right. That's why she, that's what she said to me. You know, because she's like, you know, he's been through a lot, and uh, and I didn't really know it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I'd heard things about his health a little bit, but yeah. I think that she was kind of alluding to like, you know, you know, it, you know, he's he's got a lot going on right now, and, right. and so I was like, I told her, I said, not a blind side. I mean, you know, there's nothing that, you know, I'm putting in there later that you're not going to see. I said, now there's some things in there that, you know, they're kind of, you know, coach not being coach not with some of his languages. She said, oh, she's like, you can't tell a story without, you know, you take, you can't tell a story about coach without, you know, some of the language in it. And I was like, well, and so I told her what made her feel better about it is I said, listen, my publisher wants to add the, the, the line uh, to de- you know days of night. He they wanted to, they it was their idea to say how the general changed my life. Right. And she's and I said they that they read it. This is what they you know. So once she knew that that was going to be the title, mm-hmm. um, you know she felt a, she felt comfortable about it too. But uh, but it was it was a nerve wracking uh, <laughs> conversation uh, to see how it was going to go. And then and then uh, and then Coach Knight gave me the the a blurb, which I think they said they I don't think they the publisher at the time said that they've never had a blurb on the front of the book of that. It's about that, that has to do with the subject. You know, right, it's usually yeah. you don't have, they said, but in this situation, it seemed to fit. And so uh, he was nice enough to, to give a blurb for it. So uh, yeah. uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have gone anywhere if he, if he didn't want it to, but right. uh, they were, they were okay with it. How was the book accepted by, uh, by fans? How has it done? Uh, you know, it's, it's done pretty good. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been, um, it's, it's been pretty, I mean, it's not going to, it's, it's not going to be, you know, Oprah's not going to be recommending it or talking about it anytime soon to anybody. I mean, it's not, it's not, but I'm not, uh, I'm not going to buy a car off of the royalties or anything, but it was, it, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, I think that, um, you know, when they, they did, they re- they released the audio book and, uh, and I told them, I know, I, I know I sound country. Mm-hmm. I know, but like, Hearing, hearing some of the names and how people are, you know, that they talk about some of the having somebody else read your book. It's kind of weird. I was like, let me just yeah. do the, I don't mind. I'll read it. And they, they didn't want me to do it. Uh, so, um, but anyhow, it's, it's, it's had, um, it's, it's had a nice little run. I mean, it's um, uh, every now and then I, it, it would get up there on the, uh, the Amazon, you know, sports basketball biographies, you know, if you get it really refined down, it can go right. up the list a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was, it, it would creep up and, and be a, a decent number for a little bit, but it's, gotcha. it's, it's, it's been fun. That's good, man. Um, and, and it's, 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 a, it's an easy read. That's what I liked about it. It's very easy to read. It's very, it's because it's short, it's, <laughs> it's so short because man. I, 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 that's all I, I, I maxed out. I maxed out my writing in that one book, so that, that's all I could do. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, everybody, go out there. I'm, I'm gonna start posting some of these quotes on, on my social medias uh, because I didn't realize there was so many great ones in there, man. Uh, Kirk Case is one of my all-time favorite players. That's a quote from Coach Knight, um, you know, and I can understand why because I was there watching the development and watching him turn you into an all-star. So um, last thing I want to touch on, man, is what do you think? What were your thoughts when Coach Knight did decide to return to Bloomington? You were there. I was there. We took some selfies. We coined some turns, man, and we had a great time. Coach Knight came through. Uh, how did, what was the, what did you think about the magic of that night? I just, I really thought it was a, um, a really cathartic, um, 
kind of healing closure mm-hmm. moment for a lot of of, um, of 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 people associated with the Hoosier family, whether you're a manager, a doctor, uh, you know, trainers, players, fans. Um, you know, it was just something that I didn't think that we would see, mm-hmm. and um, and just um, to see to see what it obviously ended up. Coach Knott never would be too emotional about anything. You know, right. you very rare. I, I remember um, when he got fired, uh, I went out to his house. Uh, and they were packing up their house, and, and I knew they were getting ready to leave, and I went out to visit with them. And uh, and it, I gave him a hug on the front porch, and it was the most awkward hug you've ever had in your <laughs> life. It was – if you go out, if you want to get a feel for the awkwardness of it, go out to your front yard, whoever's and just hug, hug the tree in your front yard. And it was kind of like, cause he's a big guy. And yeah. Right. Like, uh, so he's not, he never was much on that. So to see how emotional he was and, and you could see how obvious, how, how it touched him. It, mm-hmm. uh, it was, that's why there, there was a lot of grown men crying in, uh, in assembly hall and at home probably too, but, Right. But it was uh um it was just special uh to um and you know there's been uh I've always been jealous of of like uh the North Carolina basketball family and some of these basketball families that are just like you know that has like this you know you know if they if there's any kind of connection to Dean Smith like you and it may not actually be like this, but it feels like somebody that graduated from North Carolina yesterday could somehow call Michael Jordan and he'd pick up the phone just because right, exactly. they were on the same team. It's yeah. probably not like that, <laughs> right. but that's what the perception is. And I've yeah. always felt like there's been a little bit of a fracture and a disconnect. And, yep. um, and, and there's, there's been plenty of people out there doing their best to keep fracturing stuff just for right, you yeah, know, clickbait and ratings. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just think that um, in the grand scheme of things, Coach Knight brought together a lot of players that uh, that a lot of times overachieved mm-hmm. and graduated and right. won basketball games. Mm-hmm. Clean program, right? And and you know, there's there's a lot of things that you can say that uh, that are negative, but uh, when when you just look at that that the, to- the totality of that um it means a lot to kind of have him come back and, and experience the love that a lot of us had for him for the, for those reasons absolutely man we uh, we we had a, a heck of an experience man I, I wouldn't trade it for the world i'd do it all over again uh it was an experience that was very unique because you know i remember i was in italy walking down the street playing in italy i played in bologna i saw you played in capital Orlando too we don't get into that but i played in bologna for a few years <laughs> And uh, there's a guy just walked out the store. He's like, AJ Guy, I'm like, I'm in Bologna, Italy. Play for Bobby Knight. And you know that how? Like, you know, and then just how special playing for IU is. So, you know, we would all do it all over again. And like, but the, the point of this podcast is actually to bring all that full circle, man. And the, and the end of this podcast, what we like to do is, is have an all IU reunion. You know what I mean? A real one where everybody's there. It's not Crean's players. It's not Knight's players. It's not Coach Davis players or Samson players. It's IU basketball. And we, we, we have very a very unique story to tell, man. And, and I'm sure that would be an amazing experience if we were ever, ever able to do that. I put the pressure on Isaiah, who I had on the show. I put the pressure on Quinn to do it. And any other, other, other OGs, I'll call them, that come on the show, I'm putting the pressure on them those, to make that happen. Those – 
those two guys have handled pressure pretty well in their careers. Right? Absolutely. Those two, I think I think they I think that they can handle the I think they can handle this pass and, and do the right thing uh, on on that hopefully. But I, yeah. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing with this. I mean yes. this, stuff like stuff like this, this uh, this connective tissue that you create uh, bringing people in and talking things. It, right. it just it, it ends up networking and, and just connecting more and more people to it and um and just um and hopefully it continues to snowball but i appreciate you you doing it as well i mean that yeah. uh that, that's i think this is a this is a great thing that you've got going on here and uh i i, I wanted to show you i wanted to show you something real quick okay. um that I, I i was everybody's going through some quarantine cleaning uh right, in yeah. the last few months <laughs> so i came across i don't know how i ended up with these but yeah. i want uh I'll be glad to send these out if anybody will message me where they need to go. So I got from, from, from somehow from the locker room. Originally, right. I got that one. Ooh. I've got that one. Classic. I got a vintage Washington. And somehow <laughs> I ended up with a vintage Gotten. Wow. So you That's let me know. Classic. You send me your, uh, your address. I'll make sure that you get your original nameplate sent to you. I have no idea how I got I this, but uh, I'm glad I. You just took a bag and just started <laughs> just throwing, <laughs> and, and and it was a smart move. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't. Hey, that stuff would be gone. That stuff would be gone. You know what probably happened is that is the coaching change. Like they started moving that stuff out, didn't it? Like you know, changed the locker room a little bit. So I probably did the same thing. I would have collected all that, kept it for the fellas. And I'm gonna tell Luke you got his, and Lynn you got his. We need those things. That's all we got left. A jersey, hit me up. Bag, a picture, books. That's all we got left, man. Let me. I'm gonna get that out. You. <laughs> hey, to finalize, man. Recap your, your your Indiana career for us. Tell us what type of player you hope that the Hoosier faithful saw that came in and the one who left. Uh, kind of break it down to them what you hope they saw in you as a player. Somebody that had a good work ethic mm-hmm. and, and somebody that was a good teammate. Um, and, and just, I think, I hope they saw somebody that, that, that they felt like was at home, uh, was at home in assembly hall, was at home right. in Bloomington. I mean, it, it just, um, uh, I, I think, especially in, in this era of one and done, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think that a lot of guys have that, um, you, you get that feel and that connection and yeah. and like there like you, you can speak to this more than anybody is like when you when you're there for four years I mean you're just like you get used when somebody asks you what your home number is you think of your number there you know yeah, exactly. in Bloomington you know and yep. so and and I, I just I think that that comes through on the court with some guys you can just feel that uh and I just um, uh, I just love the love the community, love the people there, and I just I hope that 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 showed up uh, on the court. So, Kirk, man, you get drafted into you know the NBA draft. You're a first round pick, 16th pick of the Charlotte Hornets, I believe, man. And and you had a you, everybody you had a great career. If you ever to touch the NBA floor, man, you've had a great. I had a great. Career. I had a great college career. <laughs> I'm trying to sweeten it up here, man, no, because listen, I talk. Listen. We were all stars, man, in our NBA careers. <laughs> my my kids and my the players I used to coach, their favorite draft fact that they love to make fun of me about, and I can't mm-hmm. and I can't knock them was that I was drafted before NBA Finals MVP. Who? Who? <laughs> Tony Parker. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
Play pick. Woo. No, I was kidding. That's a, hey, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's, that's a, a heck one. of an experience, man. And what 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 uh what's one of your favorite memories uh from playing in the NBA? Your favorite games or favorite uh, you know approaches with a certain player? What, what tell take us back? By far, one of my favorites is uh, uh we were playing. Uh, Jordan was in his last year. He was with the Wizards, and uh, we we were in Washington, and uh, Jordan uh, and Jordan and I, I've still got this. I've got the original stat sheet in the house. I'll have to find it somewhere, but I saved it. But Jordan and I combined for 53 points in a game, and Jordan had 51 of them. Uh, but, but I was listen. I was I was one of one from the field on my hook shot. I mean, right. I was 100. percent I mean, he missed like 12 shots. Who can't wow. score 51 points at 38 years of age, missing 12 wow. or 13 shots? But, but the, the the Paul Harvey rest of the story is this. So after the game. Uh, you know, uh, Stacy Augman was a teammate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, we're, we're getting ready. I, I'm ready. I'm, I get dressed, showered, and I'm heading to the, to the bus. And uh, I'm getting ready to leave. And, uh, and, and Augman is still getting dressed. And the uh, ball boy for the, uh, for the Wizards comes in. And Jordan, since it was his last year, when he would play somebody that he respected, like Stacy Augman, mm-hmm. he would send over – the game shoes that he wore in the game signed to that player that he was. Now, you know that you're the GOAT when you can just be like, you yeah, you give somebody 51, you beat them, and you know they're <laughs> going to be happy to get your used shoes. Your shoes. You, know, <laughs> you know you're in a high level. So, <laughs> right. now, so they come over and he, they hand Stacey Aldman brand new uh, bright white uh, blue uh, Jordans that you know he wore one time. He'd only wear okay. a pair of shoes one time each game, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, giant Michael Jordan autograph on each on each side of the shoe. Mm. And uh, and so I'm getting ready to walk to the um, I'm getting ready to walk to the uh, the bus and uh, and Augman's like uh, he's like uh, he called me Rabbit. Story mm. for another day, but that right, was like okay. he was he it was my <laughs> nickname from like the Eight Mile movie. Right. Oh, okay, so he yeah. goes, so he goes, he goes Rabbit. And I was like, yeah. He goes, can you carry these to the uh, to the bus for me? And I was like, yeah. And so I'm walking, I'm walking through there, you know, with these Jordan, just like museum quality piece, you know, right. thinking like, man, what would these go for on eBay? Right, exactly. You know, but like, you know, and I was just like, there was a lot of moments like that. And you probably had some of these too, where it was just yeah. kind of like, you, you're, you're kind of like Forrest Gump in your own life. You're like, how right. in the world am I here doing this right now? So yeah. that was, um, all that time. was a fun. That was a, that was a that was the happiest I've ever been to score just two points in a game in my entire NBA career. That, that was it. I think we're doing this on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. You got any Kobe Bryant stories that you remember? Kobe hit his. I was. Uh, if you'll go back and look at some of his clips, I think it was. I think it was his first game-winning shot, like buzzer beater shot, was in Charlotte, and it was against us and. Uh, my, my late, my, my claim to fame on this whole moment was on the, on the shot when it goes in, I'm on the bench, of course. Right. And I've got like, I've got, a, I'm, I think I'm standing with a towel around my neck and when he hits it, I just go. Right. He's dropped your hand. So I'm, I'm, I'm immortalized forever in that Kobe right. Bryant moment. Uh, but, uh, but no, I, 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 I was always, it was always kind of uh on the outskirts of greatness right. uh when i was around but i was i was i was close enough to be able to uh to, to get some good 
some firsthand um, uh, viewing points of, of right. some great moments, even though I wasn't directly a part of a lot of them. Yeah, definitely, man. Also, a heck of a story, man. Two two legends, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. But uh, you were one of the. There was a Mount Rushmore, some of the most genuine, fun people. You would be on that Mount Rushmore for sure. And uh, you know, and I appreciated you showing up to my Hall of Fame induction. I didn't expect you to be there. You came there, supported, appreciated that, man. That was a big time move. Did you get inducted? No, no. But I listen, oh, hey, on this podcast, it's time. I don't know what y'all waiting on. He announced his retirement oh. 15 years ago. Oh, <laughs> it's not. At this, at this Mount Rushmore uh, exhibit that we were talking about a while ago with the four, yeah. I am glad I, I am glad to be in the parking lot parking cars as long as I'm somewhere on the vicinity of the National Absolutely. Park of Hoosier Nation. You know, so I'm, I'm like, I'll point you like, hey, listen, that's where all the big – that's where all the trophies are and where all the, the monuments are. As long right. as I'm, as long as I'm on the property, I'm happy. Don't worry. Yeah, about I'm happy. That's why I tell them. <laughs> as long as I'm part of it, I'm cool. You can say whatever you want to say. I, I had a fabulous time, man. Do it all over again. I'll do it better the second time too. So, man, hey, definitely. By the way, by hmm? the way, your daughter. I've watched. I've, I've been watching some of her highlights. Mm-hmm. By the way. We need to get her to Vanderbilt. Uh, this, I'm, this, uh, you may have to cut this. This may, I'm, I have no ties to Vanderbilt. It's not illegal, but like right. I'd, I'd like to, you know, I can, I can make it to games if she's at Tennessee now. I mean, that's, right. uh, but that's that's huge. That is huge. Yes, it is. Uh, is it Aaliyah? Is that Aaliyah? Guy. Right? Yep. He's talking about my daughter. She got her first college offer. She actually got a letter from Indiana a couple of days really? later. Yeah, she got her first. Hey. letter. she's excited about that. She's only a freshman, man. She hadn't even touched. Yes. The floor yet, but uh, she has four. Got twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four, man. So she has know. such a she has such a smooth hesitation crossover. It looks very some. It, it looks, looks very, very familiar. familiar. <laughs> looks very familiar. You know, I had to got to sprinkle a little bit in yeah. there. I didn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But thank you for that, man. We definitely Vanderbilt's a heck of a school, man. It's a Jesuit school and. And it's definitely, I hope they're still around in three, four years when it's time. So, and we know Nashville, you know, our family's from Dyersburg, Tennessee. So uh, I that's, I don't think that's, 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 yeah, that's right. where our whole, that's where our whole family yeah. originated from Dyersburg. So we're actually in Tennessee and halls a lot, you know what okay. I mean? About our lives. So we have Tennessee roots is what I'm getting at. And uh, definitely going to introduce her, introduce her to those, but We'll be seeing what happens with her, man. But well, I wish her wish her the best of luck, man. That's that's, that's exciting. Appreciate it. it's exciting, man. It's insane to you and your family. We didn't get a chance to talk about our our our, our fantastic NBA careers that we had. We didn't get a chance <laughs> to cover you know a couple different things. Hey. But sure we'll see each other down the road again. But because uh, it's just too much. I remember my my producer. I know he's trying to. Oh, you keep these to 45. I'm like, we can't keep these in 45 minutes, man. <laughs> it's a lot going on, man, that we got to talk about. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, you know, keep in touch, man, and I hope uh, everything's going well. We didn't even get to touch on the political aspect and, and what you oh, were trying man. to accomplish. So, you know, we made this strictly Indiana, and I still think that's what the people want to hear. And But we'll get to the other stuff the next time, man. So, once again, everybody, give it up for my – my, my, my guest, Kirk Haston, one of my favorite players, all-time favorite players, go get this book. I don't care that it was printed six years ago. I want you to go get it. It's still relevant. A lot of quotables in it, man. And you'll be seeing it on my Twitter and on my on my Facebook page as, as we go forward because I didn't, I didn't even remember he had so many 
Coach Knight quotes and moments in there. Uh, and, and this is just a, a special, special thing. So thanks, Kirk, man. Appreciate you taking the time, brother. And we will stay in touch, man. You have a good one. Thanks, AJ. Good to visit with you, man.